listening to Story City Church in Granada Hills, California. We exist to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and with others. And here is this week's message. Y'all, let's read some scripture. Would you stand up with me as we read from John chapter 15? If you have your Bibles or your phones, you can go to John chapter 15. The words will also be on the screen behind me. When I finish, I will say, this is the word of the Lord, and we invite you to respond with, thanks be to God. I'm going to read John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. This is the word of the Lord. You can have a seat. Thank you, Josh. How are you guys doing this morning? All right, good to see everyone. My name is Samir. If I hadn't had a chance to meet you, I would love to meet you, get to know you. Uh, We are excited for just everything God is doing here locally at Granada Hills. Uh, Like you've heard, we are one church, two locations, Burbank and Granada Hills. We are coming up here in Granada Hills onto a year next month. So we're excited about all that's happening here locally, um, all the involvement we have in our community, um, and just what's happening internally within the church. It's just a joy to be with you. The cool thing about the fall is uh, tomorrow is one of the most glorious days of the year. Kids go back to school. Woo! Can I get an amen for that? Amen for that. I could even close our time together with just that, uh, and we'll be filled with good things. So I'm just grateful and excited because the kids had a great time in the summer, but it's time for them to go back to school. Um, so really cool time of year. Uh, excited about that. Um, I'm excited to continue really to conclude our I Am series. Uh, we have been in the I Am statements of Jesus where a lot of us want to know who Jesus is. And we've been in a seven-week series on who Jesus says he is. Uh, We've been talking about how Jesus is the good shepherd, how Jesus is the resurrection and the life, how Jesus is the bread and the life. And and today we're going to continue and close out that series on Jesus being the true vine, just like we read. And what does that mean? And what does that mean for us today? So I want to pray for us and then we'll dive right in to this passage. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness in our life, your continued work uh, through all that you've called us to and all the things that you've walked us with in and around. God, we know that you are the one true vine and help us understand what that means, not just in theory or not just in scripture, but also for our lives. What does that mean for me? Who are you? Who am I in light of who you are, God? And so help us grasp that today. May we be enlightened by your scriptures, by your word, by your spirit. Transform us, Lord. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read that passage one more time, and I want us to read it in light of 
just the analogy Jesus is using about the vine and, and kind of like a garden scenario. What does that mean? And envision Jesus in this time. He is talking and preaching and teaching his disciples. And he did this not in this format. Yeah, we're so used to it being taught this way. But really, he was walking and doing life with his disciples. And he was walking next to a vineyard. He was not walking next to um, a big river. He was, he was walking under a tree. So he used analogies around him to describe his teachings, to, to help them grasp it. And so as I read this, envision Jesus walking with his disciples and there be a vineyard nearby as he's sharing this. So let me read uh, John 15, 1 through 8. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I had spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you grow unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that, that you produce fruit and prove to be my disciples. So why does Jesus use the imagery of a vine? And there's two reasons here. The first one is that it's a common theme of vineyards around them, right? So he knew that the disciples will understand this analogy. They understand what's happening here. They understand the reality that without the branch being connected to the vine, that it can't grow any fruit, obviously, right? So they grasp this common understanding of this metaphor. Second, the reason is that the imagery of the vine is a powerful thread that weaves through the Old Testament, okay? So they not only understand it around them, they also understand it in their beliefs, in their faith, that the vineyard understanding in the Old Testament highlights what God is doing throughout all of scripture. It's an ongoing plan of redemption and the transformation of his people. So in the Old Testament, Israel is often depicted as a vineyard that God planted and tended with care. So Israel was always described as a vineyard. However, despite God's efforts, Israel often failed to bear the spiritual fruit of righteousness and obedience that God had initially desired for them. So the disciples are understanding, oh, he's talking about a vineyard. We know who that is, that's, that's Israel. But Israel's failure to fully embody the vine, that metaphor, it's actually an offensive claim that Jesus, his oppressors would recognize as like, wait a minute, what is he referencing? And his listeners now are understanding this reality. His oppressors were the Israel, Israel religious leaders, right? So they knew this. So because truth is, Jesus perfectly 
fulfills the role of the true vine. The vineyard that was originally intended in Israel, Jesus is saying, I am actually going to fulfill the truth of what that was supposed to be. I'm here. Through his, how? Through his sacrificial death and resurrection, Jesus brings about a new covenant that enables his believers to experience a deeper, unbroken, unbroken connection to God. He is the true connection, the vine that connects us to what brings us true fruit and life. The fruitfulness he calls for is not merely external obedience, but it's a transformation of the heart, which leads to authentic and genuine righteousness, love, and service. That's important. So Jesus is the perfecter and redeemer of God's plan as he claims to be the true vine. That's what he's saying. I am the perfect plan all along. Israel fell short. And this leads me to my big idea. So what Jesus is saying is this. Jesus is the better vine. Jesus is the better vine. And I add, so let's stay connected. So let's stay connected to the better vine. Jesus being the true vine signifies that he embodies the spiritual vitality and righteousness we could not achieve on our own. We couldn't achieve it by ourselves. We cannot muster up enough to achieve spiritual fervor that our heart and our soul desires. Through our connection to him, he gains, we gain access to the abundant life and fruitfulness that only he can provide. Only he can provide. And so my desire for us today is to give us three things to grasp onto, to hold onto when it comes to connecting to the vine. What does that mean for us? What do I need to grasp in, in reality of this passage and what Jesus is saying here for me in my life? What are these three things? The first one that he shares with us is expect pruning. Expect pruning. Not, not uh, get ready just in case, maybe. No, expect pruning for those that are in the vine. What does that mean? Well, let's read the first two verses again. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce, he removes. And he prunes Every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. So just as a vineyard requires careful pruning for optimal growth in order to grow fully, our spiritual lives need refining and a process of growth for refining. I'm sure many of us maybe even check out when we think of that because it doesn't feel too good when we go through those seasons of pruning or refining. Remember, we remember those seasons of life or we're in that season now or we're going into a season of refining and pruning. See, I remember being a young church planner thinking that, man, I know it all. Like, like I'm able to lead a team of people. I'm able to do this and, and to raise enough funds and to, and, to, and to do this in a place where it's my first time ever doing it. This was several years ago for those of you that know my story. The first time we did this, <laughs> um, I was ripened for a moment of pruning by God's grace, right? I was 
ripened because I had a, I had a foolish perspective of myself. I, 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 looked my, I looked too highly of myself. And God pruned me, even though there was fruit happening in my life, God pruned me through this hardship, through hardship of my daughter being ill. I'm not saying that she, he caused my daughter to be ill. She became ill. But through that, God began to prune me and shape my heart. He began to remind me what's more important in my life. What's the most important in my life? I was so entrenched at that time in my life. I was so entrenched in the work that I was doing that I left, that I left my family behind. And so he took a moment to prune me and slow me down to remind me of what's important. And then God continued to prune me through hardship. I don't know if you remember 2020. Does anyone know what happened in 2020? The pandemic, right? In my prideful heart in some of those seasons, all that I did was washed away, right? The church plant dissolved and it felt like all that hard work was for nothing. And what God began to teach me and remind me was that he is the builder and creator of all that is good, not me. He is the one who builds and creates all that is good and right, not me. And in that season, it was the hardest season of my life. The pruning of my soul, the, the, the understanding and refining of who I am, it was the hardest season of my life, but the most important season for my spiritual walk with God. The most important. I wouldn't take it back for anything. As I look back now, in the moment, I would have said, take this away. No question about it. But my identity as a son, as a husband and a father has become refined through that season. See, pruning involves cutting away dead and unfruitful branches. With these, these symbolize the removal of things that hinder our spiritual growth. And so what are some of those things? And maybe as I share a list of things, they're not specific, but maybe they can be specific in your context. Things like pride, things like sin patterns where we're, we're, we're continuing to, to do the same thing that's harming people and thinking that it's gonna be good eventually. Unhealthy habits, toxic relationships that don't have boundaries, a fixed mindset that is full of negativity and strife where growth can't happen. Trauma trigger patterns that, that we have a hard time addressing because it hurts too much to talk about or we're too embarrassed to share or work through. I'm speaking to myself. I know that. I don't know if I'm preaching to you, but I'm preaching to myself here. Jesus desires to prune and cut these branches off. The reality is we desire the same in theory but the reality is it hurts. The reality is it's painful to cut these branches off. They are holding us back and more importantly, distracting us from drawing us closer to the God of the universe. So I ask you this question, what are the dead branches in your life? This is between you and the Lord. What are those dead branches? How is he drawing himself to you, but yet these dead branches are Stiff arming him. 
Because truth is, God's loving discipline and challenges in our lives, they may feel painful, but they lead to greater fruitfulness and spiritual vitality. Not more, but greater. Not the same, but more and abundantly greater. This led me to this passage in scripture that I'm like, this is so significant for what we're talking about. Hebrews 12, seven through 11, where it talks about the discipline that God brings in our life and what it means. Because these hard things in our life, they're painful. They're hard to understand in the moment. But I think this passage really gives us a cool picture of it. This is in the New uh, Living Translation, which I thought did a great job of like making it very practical in what he's trying to say here. Verses seven through 11, it says this. You see, as you endure this divine discipline, I love that, divine discipline. It's a discipline from God. Remember that God is treating you as his own children. You are his child. So who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined by his own father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Like to think that there is joy in knowing that we are being disciplined because what that means is we are legitimate children of God's. That's hard to grasp, but it's true. Verse nine, since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, some of us, <laughs> right? Shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they know how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. Verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. Amen to that. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. I love that passage. Because as we expect pruning as God's children, we recognize these moments of discipline, these moments of pruning in our lives, although they will still be painful and be hurtful, we can walk through them knowing what he is trying to do in our lives, which is instill in us a training, a growth, a strength, and a fruit that is abundant more than we can even imagine and do ourselves. That is essential. So expect pruning. It's a painful gift, but it's a healthy investment with a great return. With a great return. So our first thing we need to grasp as we are connected to the vine is to expect pruning. Second one that we should grasp and need to grasp is that abiding or remaining. Okay, we see some pastors say remaining. Some pastors say abiding. Abiding is being. What does that mean? Abiding is being. I say this a lot. So people that have been around me know this. So I'm going to read verses 4 and 5 to grasp what this means. Remain in me or abide in me. Jesus is saying this. And I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. You can't live without him. That's what he's saying. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you do not, can do nothing without me. See, remaining in Jesus means staying connected to him as the source of spiritual sustenance, as the source of being able to survive in this life. He is the only source to be connected to. I don't know about you, but as I get older, I recognize that it gets harder and harder to abide in Jesus. I don't know what, I I, can be speaking for myself, but the distractions of life, the hardships of life, and just knowledge of life begins to pull me away from my dependence on him. From my dependence of knowing that he is divine, like I can't do it without myself. I can't do it by myself. I need him. For whatever reason, I slowly began to lose that childlike faith of knowing I need to depend on him. I can't depend on my, my abilities. You know, I grow in my abilities and my strengths and weaknesses. So, so then we start to depend on ourselves a little more than we did when we were young children in our faith. How many can relate to that? I don't know. I'm, am I speaking to myself only? Okay. It's harder as you get older. See, I remember when I first got out, I first came to know God when I was 16, like really in depth. And from ages 17 to 25, there was this deep desire to know Jesus. I would spend hours of just praying and, and with him and, and reading his word and praying for those I love. And, and I would spend hours. Like, I had nothing to do maybe. I don't know what it was. But, man, I had such desire and passion to be with him, and it's, and it's hurtful to me to think, man, did I love Jesus more back then than I do now? I mean, I'm not saying that's the reality. I'm just saying, like, it makes me wonder because obviously life happens. I get busier, I get, you know, marriage and kids and work, all that stuff piles up, but just the desire to be and abide and be near and remain with Jesus, how much I desire that again. Just to want that again deeply is something I've been praying for a lot lately. We recently went to Disneyland with uh, my oldest daughter for her birthday and my youngest daughter, but for my oldest daughter and I, it was her birthday and it was a magical day. Like it really was. It was what they all say about it, right? We haven't done that together as a family, at least at Disneyland. And there was a moment where I recognized of myself where like they were saying, oh, Peter Pan is here. Like, you know, the little characters. And I was like, what? Where? Like, I sprung up. Like, I got really pumped. And then I missed it because I was putting the stroller away. Right? And he was gone. I was like, what? I was frustrated. I was like, what the heck? And I thought to myself, like, why did I, like, want to see him so badly? Like, what was that? That was weird. Like, that was, he is my favorite Peter Pan character. He, I mean, he is my favorite Disney character. He is my favorite. Peter Pan was my favorite Disney movie by far. And I wondered to myself, like, why is that? And I think as I pondered on it, I think what I love about that movie is this this idea of Neverland, this this idea of being somewhere where you'll never grow up, where where you'll have this childlikeness and this childlike faith that I wish I can have more of again, that I wish I can desire, like, I can run and and faithfully know that God's always going to be there no matter what. That Peter Pan's always going to come and save the day, no matter what, right? Like, I can trust that. No matter what bad guys are around, like, it's an amazing place. 
right? This idea of childlike faith. And, and this is what I desire for, for myself and I desire for us as God's people to have this childlike faith again. That this Neverland, this place of faith that is rooted in the vineyard, in Jesus, the one who will never leave us or forsake us. Because you know, we know truthfully, faithfully that nothing else matters but to be near to him. It's such a fun truth and reality that I just desire again and I hope we can desire as God's people. Because the reality is that just as branches that cannot bear fruit apart from the vine, we cannot flourish without staying rooted in Christ. It's just not possible. It's not going to happen. Our identity, our purpose, and strength flow from this connection to the vine. The vitality of life comes from Jesus himself. It's highlighted by the significance of simply being in his presence. Just simply being in his presence. I love what John Ortberg in his books, Soul Keeping, which we'll reference again in the future, um, what he says about this abiding with Jesus, being near to him, remaining in him. He says it like this. Bearing fruit means that we will do wonderful things in our lives for God and his kingdom. But we don't really have to try all that hard. Instead, we are to make sure that we are with God. That's it. That's what it means to abide in the vine. Live intimately with Jesus from the moment to the next. If you don't do that, Jesus says, nothing much will come out of your life. Jesus simply invites us into an intimate relationship with him in the going and coming of life. In the going and coming of life. Loving him is being with him and in the rhythms of our life. I know that's easy to say, and that's easy to like, but okay, now do that. That's why we're actually going to be going into a series at the beginning of September called Equipped for Depth and Restoration in Christ that actually is going to walk us through some practicalities of how do we walk in that. What are the spiritual disciplines God's walking us in and with so that we can stay connected and abiding to the vine? What are those practical things? Like, oh, I know, just read the Bible, pray, um, and have a long time. And, like, and we think everything is going to be great and dandy. That doesn't work exactly like that for every single person. So we're going to walk through how do we figure that out for us? How does that look? And I'm excited to go through that series. The next two weeks are a little change up. We're going to have two one-offs, and then the beginning of September are going to be that series going into the fall. And so I'm excited about that. So that's a little plug for that. Uh, but I just want us to know that not only are we desiring to teach this reality of being connected to the vine, we want to equip God's people to what that means. What does that look like? How do we do that practically in our personal life with God amongst the body of Christ? So that's coming. So first one is expect pruning. That's what we got to grasp. Second one is abiding is being, just being with Jesus. It sounds simple. And the third one that we need to grasp is fruitfulness is an overflow. Fruitfulness is an overflow. What does that mean? Verses 7 and 8. If you remain in me, Jesus continues, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, 
that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. You see, bearing fruit is a natural result of a vibrant, intimate relationship with Christ. It's not something that we muster up and work towards. It's a natural result of being and remaining and abiding in the vine. What are these fruit? I think that's important to understand. What you're talking about fruit, what does it mean to bear fruit? What does that look like? I think the one thing that we can really hold on to is the fruit of the spirit as a result of what that means. I want to read that for us today real quick. Galatians 5, and 23. What are these fruit that Jesus are talking about? The good things of life that the fruit of the spirit bring. And Paul here in Galatians brings up, it looks like a few different fruits, but really it's one fruit. Because it's from the spirit of God, which means these are all aspects of the good thing that the spirit brings into our lives as we are transformed in Jesus. When we are abiding in the vine, this fruit comes forth in our life. Verse 22 through 23. But the fruit of the spirit, this is the fruit that he's talking about, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, I don't know about you, but I look at those and I'm like, man, I need, to, I need to grow on that one. Like, that one seems hard. This one, I mean, I'm not that bad on that one. Like, that one's cool. That's kind of how I look at it. But the reality is, is God, in, as we draw near to the vine and he's, we're connected to him, he's growing us in all of these things in one fruit coming out of us and through his work in us. It's a natural result of our being with Jesus. What is the opposite of these things? What is the opposite of the fruit of the spirit, the good things? It's funny because Paul earlier describes what's the opposite of the fruit of the spirit, which is the works of the flesh. I love that he uses the distinction. One is fruit, where if we're connected, it naturally just grows. The other one is works, where it's like we're doing something as people that result in this. 19 through 21, it says, Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissension, fractions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And when he says the word practice, I want to bring clarity to this. That the reality is he's defining what the natural response of the work of our flesh comes to. It goes to these things. It doesn't go to love, joy, peace. Like we need a, a connection to the God who created love, joy, peace, and all these amazing things in order to have that kind of fruit. Because our natural response is that list, the second one. Those types of things begin to happen when chaos surrounds us, when hardship arises. It's hard to maintain a good response in the fruit of the Spirit by ourselves. And that the practice of these things is not like, if you've ever done this, you're going to be, like, that's not what it's saying. He's saying, if you practice this without an understanding of repentance and like, I need to grow in these areas and I need to be connected to the vine. That's, that's what he means by practice is a repetitive, unrepentant perspective of what these outcomes are. So I, every time I read that, I'm like, man, I might have fallen into one of these before. 
Like, does that mean I'm cut off? No, that's not, what it, that's not what he's saying. It's the practice where you're unrepentant and recognizing that this is okay to do. Um, that's when it's, it's hard and harmful. So that's just important. So our desires align with God's heart when we abide in him. Our desires begin to naturally abide in him. Our desires begin to look like God's desires as we are near to Jesus, which leads to prayer and in harmony with his will. So obedience and fruit come easy when we kick it with Jesus. It comes easy when we kick it with him. It becomes really hard when we are really distant from Jesus. Fruit happens from simply resting in him, being with him. When we work for it, it becomes our doing and a fleshly outcome. Because the overflow of our heart connected to the true vine produces fruit that glorifies God, is for our good, and impacts those around us. The overflow of a heart that's connected to the true vine produces fruit that glorifies God, is good for us, and impacts those around us in a good way. So I want to close. We complicate it. We complicate it. We make it very difficult. We, we complicate this whole thing. We make it hard because it's hard to believe that God is that good. It's hard to believe that God makes it that simple. That God loves us that much where all he's saying is just be near to me and I got you. I'll do the rest. The good fruit from your life will come just by being close to me. That's what he's saying. See, our biggest issue is that we don't believe it's that easy. It just, we just don't believe it. We, we want to think that we need to prove ourselves. Like, I got to prove that I earned that. I got to prove that this is the way I got to do it. I got to prove that, hey, if I made a mistake, that like he's going to punish me for it and I deserve it and woe me. Like there's this, this worldly perspective in the flesh that says these things. But God is saying, no, 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 just be near to me. Draw close to me. I got you. You will begin to see fruit that you did not produce yourself. Being with him is all he desires from us. That's it. It's all he wants. And he will do the rest. Just the same thing Jesus says over. Like if we read the gospels, he just says that over and over in different ways. Just be with me and I got you. Just be with me and I got you. Follow me, I got you. Be with me, I got you. I'll show you the way. I'll show you the answers. I got you. Come with me. And we're like, all right, God, we need to have a game plan. Let's figure this out. What do we got to do here? We got to do this. And then we got to do that. And, and then he's like, just come with me. I got you. We complicate it. We make it really hard. And he's just saying, come be with me. Let's rest in him. Let us rest in him. John 15, 1 through 8, this passage, it just paints a vivid picture of our relationship with Jesus as the true vine. As we embrace the pruning process, remain rooted in him. And cultivate a heart attuned to his love and purposes. See, we not only grow spiritually, but we also bear abundant fruit when we're in that place. Let us expect the refining process, prioritizing our obedience and abiding in him, and understand that our fruitfulness the outcomes of our life are an overflow of our heart that's firmly connected to the source of life that is Christ Jesus. 
That's as simple as it gets. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for your continued desire to be near to us. Forgive us for the ways that we complicate it. Forgive us for the ways that we want to prompt ourselves up and take credit and want to be looked at and seen and known by the world when Jesus, is, you're saying to us, I know you. I love you. You are great just as you are. I want you to be with me as I, I am with you. You desire us more than you desire anything else. God, help us to desire you the same. Help us to desire you more than we desire anything in this world. Because through our nearness and our intimacy and our connection and remaining and abiding in you, you do the rest. You bear the fruit. You grow us. You teach us. You show us. You love us. Help us to remain in you, Jesus. We love you so much, God. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you'd like to join us in person, our services are Sundays at 10 a.m. and we're located at 11011 Havenhurst Avenue in Granada Hills. Find us on Instagram at storycitygh or online at storycitychurch.com. Go and be the church.